0: and welcome to another edition of Lit These Days presented by the Mark Literary Review. I'm Jessica. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts, and I didn't forget the name of the podcast this time. So <laughs> that's that's good. That was embarrassing last time.
1: Hello, we are people. We are in a thing talking about stuff.
0: <laughs> yes. So this week we have book hauls, which is very exciting. And then we are obviously gonna talk about what we finished reading or currently reading. And at the very end of it, we have a recommendation question. So I think that we should start with the book haul because I've been waiting to talk about these books for a long time. (laughs) So um, Adam, what's the first book that you picked up? Because you went to that bookstore, right?
1: I did. I finally made it to Midtown Scholar Books in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I picked up a ton of books. Um, Can I give you a little bit of a description? I've been saving it. Can I describe to you the layout of this bookstore? Do it. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So outside there is, you know, the the usual stands of books, you know, though we don't care if you steal from this section of the store. But the books are are great. I picked up three books from out there. There, there were four for or three for ten. And I picked up uh, Dylan Thomas Collected Collected Poems, which is an old New Directions paperback. I haven't really read too much Dylan Thomas, so I feel like I, I feel like I should. I feel like I'm missing out. I've I never also heard pick- of this person before. He's, um, from what I've read, which has been a long time, he is great. He's renowned, but hmm, he's kind of, kind of absent in my, in my list of things that I've read. Uh, and then I picked up two graphic novels from OutFront: uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, this is, and there's a Netflix show that goes along with it. Um, I have read they did this, this weird like uh, horror reboot of the Archie, Archie comics series. Uh, it's kind of where Riverdale came from is like a darker version of of archie uh but these are like dark 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 there's a zombie apocalypse one with archie called afterlife with archie it's excellent the artwork is beautiful it's like walking dead meets meets archie uh and then this is chilling adventures of sabrina very violent version of sabrina the teenage witch
0: have you watched the netflix version of the sabrina
1: I have not. I have not. It's a it's it's one of those things where I, I I kinda wanna read this and then and then check out the first couple episodes. I haven't even heard much about it except that it's you know, it's very it's very disturbing.
0: I heard that it's not that good, but I also I don't know, I've heard that from like two people, so <laughs>
1: I don't know. So Oh well we'll see. Maybe I'll watch the first couple episodes and I won't be the tiebreaker, but we'll see. Uh, I noticed that with with Sweet Tooth, where like, I'm enjoying watching it, but it's very it's I'm constantly reminded of like oh that's a set like that's a set piece that's a that's a that's a green screen <laughs> like okay. it's it's very kind of self contained which gets a little annoying but you you only have so much with a budget uh, and then the Black Crown omnibus which Black Crown is a publisher. And um, one of my favorite comic book artists and writers, David Lapham, had a series through Black Crown. That's all I know about Black Crown. It was a good series, it's a good little mystery publication, but this looks to be a mix of crime fiction and punk rock things. So, right up my alley. All right. Those are the three that I got from outside. Then I walked inside the store. When you go inside the store, On the left side, it's a big open room, and on the left side are the new books. You keep walking, and then along the wall and jutting out from the wall are like literature. So it's it's split up by by authors, and that wraps around to the right side of the room. And there's also a cafe where the checkout line is, and there's also like stacks of of new books uh, and new graphic novels that that fill the floor. And there's a stage too because they get authors there all the time. So in that section. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've they've been closed up until a couple weeks ago, but they've had authors come in, including this author. I got Just Us, an American Conversation by Claudia Rankin. And I forgot how much I rely upon independent bookstores to let me know when authors that I love have a new book coming out. (laughs) Like I really don't check the internet for that. Um, goodreads I've only recently started getting back into. So I had no idea this was coming out, and I love Claudia Rankin. This is the last book in her trilogy of books, which I will talk about more in depth later on because I've read half of it. I've been burning through this one. Yeah, wonderful book. Oh, and it's signed. I don't know why I was going to show it off because nobody can see me, but it is signed.
0: Is it signed? Like, okay, sometimes they'll have like, oh, this is a signed copy, but it's very obviously like a photocopy of his their signature yeah. is it
1: like yeah. actually signed? Actually signed. Yeah. Oh, actually that's a cool. copy. Yeah. I, I believe it's because she was in the store. Mm-hmm. Um they get all kinds of famous authors to come in, so I believe that is why. So in the same room, that was on the, the new fiction, uh, as I went along, I always check out the EM Forester section. And I got the Hill of Devi or Devi, author of Passage to India, describes his life at court in the Indian state of Duas Sr., the oddest corner of the world outside Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Have you ever read Passage to India? No. It bears a strange similarity to Kill a Mockingbird and came out way before To Kill a Mockingbird came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it much better than To Kill a Mockingbird, though it's not my favorite Forrester uh, Forrester book, but he spent a lot of time in India, uh, and this is the non-fiction side of that. So I picked that up for, for a couple bucks. And then I did pick up something else in the oversized scholarly reference section. <laughs> that's also in the main, main part of that store. But I'm going to save that for last because okay. I spent way too much money. And that will explain why I spent way too much money.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet I know who it's from.
1: <laughs> I bet you do, too. <laughs> so you then have the option of a couple things. The only room that I didn't go into is if you go through the wall uh on the in the literature section of that room you go into another room there's a bakery in that room which i believe is closed down there's a young adult section there's a children section there's two rooms of that that go in the back there so i did not go in there because i ran out of time even though we were there for 3 hours oh wow it's a very open floor plan so then at the back of the room you can then go up the stairs or you can go down the stairs so if you go up the stairs You're on a railing that overlooks that main floor, and then you can walk back on that railing. It's fiction that's along that wall. And you walk into another room, which is more popular fiction, science fiction, poetry, uh, literary criticism, uh, film and TV. All that stuff is back there. And back there, I picked up Post Office. Charles Bukowski. Charles Bukowski's first novel um his publisher he was publishing a lot of poetry but not making any money off of it and his publisher said yeah because you need to write a novel like novels sell and then i think it was like three weeks later he was like here here's my novel <laughs> he just three like weeks. yeah my Lord. he just stayed up drinking and and typing for three weeks and then handed him the novel and it became a hit almost instantly so it's uh it's not a first printing that would be very expensive it's like the 26th uh printing but it's a very nice copy of it, old kind of faded copy of it. Mm -hmm. So if you went up those stairs, but you didn't go towards the back along that railing, you could go forward into the art section, the art books. Um, And this this is like 10 long floor-to-ceiling shelves. Like You have to get one of those old-school ladders that attach to the wall and wheel around the wall to get to the top of these things. So that's all art books, and then if you go in another room to the back, it's overflow from the art section, and if you go around a couple bookshelves in there, weirdly, there's a manga section back there. I think they didn't know like where to put it. <laughs> so I picked up uh, Pop Art by Lucy R. Lippard, which is just a, a nice little book about pop art. There you go. I want to read more about that, because I like Andy Warhol. He's kind of the same, kind of in the same vein. If you didn't go up the stairs, you could go down the stairs in the back of that room to the history section. Um, and interestingly, in, the, in that history section, and I had never taken a close look at this for for obvious reasons, they have a copy, not not for sale, it's a display piece, of Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Mm. And there's a little plaque there, and I did not know this. On the cover of that book, it says, none of the proceeds of this go to Adolf Hitler. So this was... Published in the States during World War II as a way to say, like, hey, we're printing and selling your book and you don't get any of the money. Like, it was like this kind of like really like patriotic thing they were trying to do. It didn't last long because then there were yeah. bootlegs everywhere. Also, that's you probably don't want to put too much of that into circulation, but it's an interesting little historical piece. And they have things like that in that I section of the store.
0: If copyright laws were different back then, cause I can't imagine getting away with
1: that now oh yeah 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 i i don't know i don't know i don't know much about the copyright in the time but i i think clearly if you published something that was from another uh, country that person would have to get the would have to get the proceeds so they just did it anyway because they're like yeah it's hitler screw you yeah <laughs> so so that was there in a, in a very nice condition like they it's 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 an interesting uh piece of history if you turn around once you go down the stairs into the history section, you can then go down another set of stairs oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, and you are fully under the ground, and then you have more history, and this is probably like oh, I don't know three three hundred feet back, like it's a long room, I can't estimate size very well, it's a long room, um. It's history, it's philosophy, it's religion, it's just, and it's history of the very specific areas around the world. If you turn a corner in the back of that room, you end up in their like, book plates section where they've, they've taken like rare prints from books, they've taken book plates out of old books, and you can buy those. If you go through there and around the corner, there's another room of reference books. Go through there, there's another room. Of sociology and psychology books gender studies um off of that there's a, a business and marketing room there's a political science room and if you keep going further back there's an antiques book room and then can you I finally ask, reach the end of the store can i
0: ask what a book plate is because i don't know what that is
1: There, it's, if you buy a used book and somebody has printed like their name and maybe a picture to put in the front of the book to let you know that's their book, it's very kind of old style thing to do. You'll see them in library books with donations as well. That's a book plates. So you can buy like antique book plates in there. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. By the time you get almost to the back of the store, of the basement of the store, there's a sign that has the J.R.R. Tolkien quote of not all those who wander are lost. And then it says, but if you are lost, here's a map of the store and how to get back <laughs> to the front. Because <laughs> I'm cool. sure plenty of people get lost. Um, so down there I found how to live authentically in an inauthentic age, the Existentialist's Survival Guide, which sounded right up my alley because it's split up into sections like anxiety chapter one chapter two depression and despair chapter three death chapter four authenticity faith morality and love and it's written by a college professor It's one of those i think we've talked about before because you had that george saunders uh -hmm. book of book of russian russian fiction right
0: yeah short stories russian short stories
1: yeah so i think it's kind of kind of set up like like that more of a commentary though Mm -hmm. all right so,
0: Can I guess what the big book is? Is this where sure. we're at? Yeah. Okay. Is it something to do with Sun Ra?
1: No, it does not. I didn't oh. find anything on Sun Ra. Dang. That's a good guess, I was, though.
0: I was so that's certain guess. that's what, what it was going to be.
1: So um, I may have spent over $200 at the bookstore.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> because Just my on wife. this book? No. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay, All together. Okay. And my wife Hold bought down, three. Yeah, my wife bought three new books, but she also said, if I don't get this, because every time we go, I'm like, I should get that, but it's expensive. She's like, if you don't get it, you're just going to keep complaining about it. I don't want to hear it. Just buy the book. <laughs> and that is the Helm Information. Remember, this is Midtown Scholar book. So like there's a ton of scholarly books in there. Stuff you'd have to buy for college that would be really expensive, but it, it pops up there very cheap. So I imagine college students go there a lot to to find books that they need. So this is the Helm Information Critical Assessments of Writers in English on E.M. Forrester, Volumes 1 through 4. This is like if you want to write books or papers about E.M. Forrester, this is what you would go to. Um, And I'm proud of it because while I bought it for $95, and it's in excellent condition, it does have a list price of $710. So... What? It's a, <laughs> what? it's a deal. <laughs> oh
0: my lord.
1: Yeah. $700? Yeah.
0: Oh boy.
1: 710. And there's other stuff like his latest uh, biography which is an un I think it's called an unrecorded life. It's about his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um and all of all of that was recorded in like one I think it was called like the black notebook or something, like a locked notebook. Um, cause he didn't want anyone to find out that he was gay and this is available now in printed form, but it is specifically for scholars of EM Forrester and it's like $500 and I really want to read it, but yeah, unless it pops up in Midtown Scholar for under a hundred, never going to read it.
0: I like, I feel kind of uncomfortable with the fact that like you or like people publish, um, like diaries of dead people like if someone found my I don't keep a diary but if someone found my diary and they're like oh we're gonna publish it I'd be like no no
1: (laughs) don't do that (laughs) yeah it's I do think about that sometimes I have a lot of journals laying around the house and I think I even make reference when I'm writing in it like "Ah, I don't care burn these for all I care or you know whatever read them it doesn't matter I'm dead what opinion do I have Mm -hmm. um but I understand that's not everybody's opinion. For Forrester, though, like his he, his works of gay fiction, which came out after he died, uh, famously, he had one novel called Maurice, and uh, they found that in, in a drawer, the manuscript for it in a drawer when he died, with a post-it note on it that said, publishable, but should it be, like, question mark? Um and he very much recorded everything like he did in his i believe in his lifetime uh, it's called the commonplace book which was his notes on like everything but he kept his he kept his sexuality at bay within it like i think he authorized the publa- publication of that and he always he was friends with Christopher Isherwood um who was a who was a contemporary writer at the time and he was out um but he lived in a different country where like he you know he wouldn't be persecuted he wasn't in britain anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, And Forrester always longed for that. Like, he wanted wanted people to know his sexuality, but he didn't want to be persecuted for it. So Mm -hmm. I think he'll be okay with it. But we'll see. It's okay, because I'll never read it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, I also have a book haul. Yes. Can I go ahead with that? Yes. Okay, so let me start with the ones. I went to Barnes & Noble. Because it was my boyfriend and I's one-year anniversary, and we decided we were going to go book shopping because that's what we do. We love,
1: we love book shopping. Congrats, we, and yay, books.
0: Thanks. Do we read the books that we get? Sometimes. Sometimes they just sit on the shelf, and we don't actually read them. But I believe, I have a philosophy that collecting books and reading books are two different hobbies. So, you know,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So the first one I got, there was a whole table of Greek mythology books, and I love Greek mythology. Ugh, what a what a time to be alive! I love Greek mythology so much. So, <laughs> I got this book called "Gods Behaving Badly" by Marie Phillips. Do I know what it's about? No. Should I read the back of it?
1: Yeah, it sounds it sounds it sounds great.
0: Okay, so it says. The twelve Greek gods of Olympus are alive and well in the 21st century, but they are crammed together in a London townhouse and none too happy about it. For Artemis, goddess of hunting, professional dog walker, Aphrodite, goddess of beauty, telephone sex operator,
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> of
0: a- and Apollo, god of the sun, TV psychic, there's no way out until a <laughs> meek house cleaner, Alice, and her would-be boyfriend, Neil, turn the world upside down. When what what begins as a minor squabble between Aphrodite and Apollo escalates into an epic battle of wills, Alice and Neil must fear not only for their own lives, but for the survival of humankind. Nothing less than a true act of heroism is needed, but can these two ordinary people replicate the feats of mythical heroes and save the world?
1: That sounds hysterical. I love that it's all these gods and then it's Alice and Neil. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I like the part that um, Aphrodite is a telephone sex operator. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Apollo is a TV psychic. <laughs> I find that makes movies.
1: sense. It adds up. Have you read uh, Good Omens, no. Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman? It sounds mm-hmm. like that would be up your alley. It's like, it's like, take, it's not Greek gods, but it's, it's gods put in funny situations. It's like the end I, of the world, but it's a comedy.
0: Yeah. I love anything that has to do with any type of mythology, but I just find that there's more Greek mythology stuff out there. Um, so yeah, I will have to check that out. I started writing a book, and it was like I made up my own mythology. It's very difficult to do that. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts there. Oh, anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, the second book I got, and the only other book I got from Barnes & Noble, was a book I'd already, already read before, but I had it in a digital copy, and I loved it so much that I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm just gonna buy it yeah. because I want to read it again." Yeah. And that is Cersei oh, and Madeline yeah. Miller.
1: Love and that cover.
0: I I love this book so much. It's about Cersei, who is the god of earth. She's the daughter of the god of the sun, but the titan of the sun, Helios, mm. not Apollo, Helios. And she gets exiled to an island for some reason and then um, she's immortal, so she's on this island forever. And so it's basically just her life on the island and there are people who come um, and uh, like find her on the island and there's um, different things that happen there. There's content warnings, I believe, for rape and the kind of there's a violent scene in there after that happens, so just be aware of that, that, listeners, if you want to pick it up. But it is a very good book; it's one of my favorite books.
1: That's on. I think I told you before. That's sitting upstairs on one of our one of our bookshelves.
0: You should read it. We should do a buddy read. Oh, ooh, that would be exciting. Idea. Book club, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I went to Target for um, just random items that I needed. And then I was like, hmm, books, which is always dangerous. So I went to the book aisle and I got this new book called Pretty Little Things by Janelle Brown. And it is a, um, thriller, I believe. I, should I read the back? of? I'll read the back because I don't know what it's about. So, Nina once bought into the idea that her fancy liberal arts degree would lead to a fulfilling career. When that dream crashed, she turned to stealing from rich kids in L.A. along with her wily Irish boyfriend, Lachlan. Nina learned from the best. Her mother was the original con artist, hustling to give her daughter a decent childhood despite their wayward life. But when her mom gets sick, Nina puts everything on the line to help her, even if it means running her most audacious... audacious? Audacious? Audacious. Yeah, that word. Dangerous scam yet. I don't know what that word means. I'll have to look that up later. Vanessa is a privileged young heiress who wanted to make her mark in the world. Instead, she becomes an Instagram influencer, traveling the globe, receiving free clothes and products, and posing for pictures in exotic locales. But behind the covetable facade, wow, words are hard today, and is a life marked by tragedy. After a broken engagement, Vanessa retreats to her family's sprawling mountain estate, Stonehaven, a mansion of dark secrets—not just from Vanessa's past, but from that of a lost and troubled girl named Nina. So then it just kind of goes like there, all their um, paths collide, and and it says it's a t- twisty, dazzling, mesmerizing novel. Ooh. So. I'm excited about
1: that. I love that you, you said you're going to read the back because you don't know what it's about, but you bought it from Target. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I read the back when I was in Target. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, remember it, I remember it being a thriller. Um, and then I got the. Actually, I think I got this book from Walmart. Because when I go to Walmart or like any store and they have books there, I'm like, okay, well, might as well go check it out. Yeah. So um, this book is called They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. So, basically, this story is about, um, like, you get an app, and it tells you when you're going to die, and then it, like, matches you up with someone who's also going to die at the same time as you, and you have, like, 24 hours to, to do whatever you want before you die. Because so,
1: you're both at the end of your rope. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So That's interesting. That's great. That's a great haul for both of us. Love it. I, now so I need to. Now I need to stop buying books. But I also <laughs> Will that have a. Ever s- happen? No, because I have a stack of books at the comic book store waiting in my mailbox, which is inside ah. the comic book store. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what did you finish reading?
0: Um. So, I finished reading a book that's not out yet. It mm. actually doesn't have an agent. It's not published or anything so you you won't be able to read this but my cousin his name is eric he wrote a book and he was like jessica can you beta read this for me and if you don't know what beta reading is uh listeners it's basically just like you read a book for someone and you see if there are like any plot holes in it and see if the story flows and all that stuff
1: early access for the video game people out there
0: yeah so um I won't go too much into detail about what it's about because it's obviously not published yet. So I don't want anyone stealing his idea. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, um, it's basically about these two brothers who are soldiers in the Afghanistan war. And I, it, this takes place like 50 years in the future. So the war has been going on for a very long time and they come back from. From war, and they find that the United States has completely changed. They've been gone for a long time. You don't know how long they've been gone, but you get the sense that they've been gone for a long time. So basically, what happened was um, America went from a democracy to a dictatorship, and now there's like a corrupt dictator. And hmm. um, the brothers end up joining like the resistance to take down the the government. So I thought it was really good so far. Yeah. There are some things to change, but yeah, if there are any agents out there listening that sounds interesting, hit me up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very nice. I look forward to seeing that sometime in the future.
0: Without the lie, I had read. What did you read?
1: I finished reading The People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. What do you uh, and I know I sa- I still maintain that it's too long, although I did sit and read forty the last 40% of the book in one sitting, so like, I still maintain it's overlong, but um it's quick that said it is very quick my final verdict was two stars um which we talked about last week two stars is probably more like three stars for a normal person Mm -hmm. um and and part of it's part of its preference popular popular romance fiction is not something i normally gravitate towards but I, i i like to read outside of my comfort zone um so i appreciated that and i realized while reading the book um that I enjoy books with heavy philosophy and explicit sex. Like that's really what I want out of a book. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your title for today. So you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe for me there wasn't there wasn't enough of of either. Um, but the okay. So you. Know, it, it's hard to not spoil plot in here because like you know again you you said before like you know what's going to happen, right? You know they're going to get together because they have mm-hmm. to. It's just it's kind of it's just kind of one of those books where it has to happen. Um, so when they formula. finally yeah yeah when they get to when they get together sexually for the first time, that was a good scene. That was a very good scene. And then after that, it was just like, and then we did it, and it's fine. We just moved on. <laughs> so um so th- those seemed kind of brushed over uh and and the first one is is really kind of brilliantly done. Um I mean, I guess if you take a look back, you'd be like, okay, that's kind of laughable. like the way it happens doesn't normally happen, but considering the tension that's been there, building for the entire story. It works really, really well. So I won't spoil like what what the backdrop of that is, because it's really good. Um, and then after they finally get together for the for the first time, finally, <laughs> you know, it's like sixty <laughs> percent of the way through the book. Um, I was burning through it at that point. I loved it at that point, but I was constantly glancing down at, at the percentage of the book that I had left, and I was like, No, she's gonna. I know she's gonna do it. She's gonna have that scene. Where one of them says something they're not supposed to, and then they're like, "No, we can't be together." And then it's gotta. And I was so satisfied at that point with them being together, um, and the things that they were they were doing together. They, you know, they're going to the brother's wedding. I thought that those there were really great scenes in there of like very human connections within the family uh, and with each other. So much so that I was like, no, "Don't do the thing. Don't do the thing. Just end the book." <laughs> I knew she couldn't just end the book, but I was like, "Just end the book. I don't want any. I don't want any more drama from there." Uh, and then it happened, and I felt like, with, without saying what happened, Jess, how did you feel about that? Because I was like, "That's a stupid thing to be upset about."
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, that was her sort of freaking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, that was so dumb. Like, I don't know. I guess, I guess there had to be something, some kind of drama, but like, I don't know, sometimes things like that happen in books and I'm like, oh my God, if you two could just communicate a little (laughs) bit better and not get mad at each other, this wouldn't happen, but then you wouldn't have a story. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's a fault of the writing because I was like, well, I guess it has to happen because it's such a formulated book, but like write something better (laughs) that happened between the two. Because it was one of those things, and and as the conversation progressed, and and you realized what he was going to be upset about, I was like, "Come on, no, that's dumb. That's nothing to be upset about."
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I could see that happening in like a like a young adult romance. Yeah, like they get mad, you get mad about something that stupid, but like what they're like thirty years old at this point. Like you need to, you need to um, just grow up a little bit. That was my thought.
1: Right, exactly. And I thought maybe, I'm going to try to approach this without spoiling it. At that point, they're they're very different people. You know, they live, he lives in the old hometown that she hates and she lives in New York City and he's very much not a New York City person. I thought maybe that would be the wedge, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would be the problem. That makes more sense to me than the problem that actually arose, which seemed like a non a non-problem. So I was bothered by that. That may have held it back. That and one other thing may have held it back from, from three stars. The other thing was, after they have their little tiff, it's, it's, the, it's the woman that has to be the one that's like, I'll lose everything. I'll give up my job. I'll come to you. And yeah. it doesn't ultimately end up going that route, but just the fact that it was in there, like the guy has to be the one that's upset. Girl has to be the one that drops everything and, and, and goes to the guy. Like, I, I was very bothered by that. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't have been. No, I guess
0: like, yeah. No, I I see what you mean. I feel like if, if she would have like dropped everything and and left, then I would be bothered by that. But it didn't end up working out that way. Yes. But yeah, that I definitely see that's a very toxic issue.
1: Yeah, and it's, I don't know if I was bothered by this, but it is a little open at the end. Like it's a little ambiguous of like, we don't know where we'll end up. We'll we'll kind of see what what works, but we just want to want to be together but um i could see it going that way and i was like no i would have given this one star if she dropped everything and and that was like the end of the story (laughs) i I really would have hated hated reading it had that been the case um
0: and i like ambiguous endings so maybe maybe that's where we differ as well
1: yeah And, and i do too um i just didn't want it to be that ending where like it's everything's on her so i did like that it opened up of like Maybe maybe it's not all on her, um so I feel like that could have been the more interesting thing. I mean, I don't want to rewrite somebody's book, but like if the wedge had been what do we do we're on We're on two different wavelengths in terms of like where we are in our lives, and that's what kind of drives them apart and what brings them back together is like we'll try or run it in different areas, like, oh, okay, I get it, but the fact that it was like, no, like I have to have him. <laughs> And the whole time, and this is so petty. I was like, "You don't need him. He doesn't even like Young Americans by David Bowie, because there's a saxophone in it. <laughs> like, come on. If he doesn't like a song by David Bowie, you should definitely not go for it." <laughs> but that's <Yeah>. me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but well written. I, I really enjoyed it, and I, and I liked the I liked some of the tropes of it. Like I said, once they got together, that and between the the dumb tiff that they had, like I thought that was the best part of the book. Like, okay, payoff. That works really well.
0: Yeah. I just liked it because like I I got lost in it. Like I sat down and I just read the whole thing. Yeah, I loved it. So.
1: And for me again, it was like it was like Sweet Magnolias, where I was like, eh, I don't care about these two lovers. <laughs> oh, I wonder when they're gonna get together. <laughs> like, what happened in Croatia? I don't know. Like, you can't help it. It's well written.
0: Yeah, I do also agree with you that it was is too long. Like I, you like you're teased from the beginning about what happened yeah. in Croatia, and then it's like what, 250 pages in, that's when you find out what happened. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I just, just want to know what happened.
1: <laughs> and even that, I don't, I felt like she was, all right, again, jump, jump forward 30 seconds. I'm not going to overly spoil this, but like I, I felt like she was alluding to they had like a knockdown drag out, like fight, like mm-hmm. big tiff. And it didn't, it didn't happen that way. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, I, I see why that drove a wedge between the two of them. But after all of that, I was like, give me something a little more explosive. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to, honestly, I thought it was going to be like they went on a a vacation with significant others and they like cheated on the significant others or something like that.
0: That would have been salacious.
1: That's what I thought it was going to be, but to no avail. Mm
0: All right. Well, what are you currently reading?
1: I am currently reading Just Us an american conversation by claudia rankin that's the the new book the only new book that i picked up at the uh at the old bookstore uh, are you currently reading anything
0: i am reading the x talk by rachel lynn solomon still i think i read maybe 30 pages from last time so i have no updates With still
1: that, very busy I, yeah.
0: yeah and i i wanted to get um the beta read Done because he's been waiting for me to do that for for a while, so that was my priority.
1: Um, We should also mention that we recorded the previous episode three days ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Normally, we have a week between recording, but things have been hectic. Yes, so we had to move some things around, but all is good. I don't know, should I give a another um synopsis as to what this is because I talked about it last week on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I've, I've go back at episode. If you didn't check out the last episode, it's uh, it's excellent, listeners. Check that mm-hmm. episode out. This is yeah. the podcast uh, slash like TV show one, right? Where it's the exes come on and talk to each other.
0: Yeah, it's um, the two NPR character um, employees who mm-hmm. have to come up with a new podcast idea slash radio show idea to save their radio station. The yeah. girl comes up with the idea for two exes to host the podcast and talk about how their relationship went bad. But then she ends up hosting it with her nemesis at the radio station, Dominic. And they've never dated before. So they're like holding the secret and it's a romance. So like things are getting a little steamy. So we (laughs) love that. And yeah, that's
1: it. Cool. Cool. That sounds like one that I I would, because I really like the premise of that. Mm -hmm. I like the show. That's the backdrop to it. Um, So Just Us, An American Conversation by Claudia Rankin. This is the cap to to a trilogy, and I I don't think she set out to write a trilogy here, but it it fits really well. So she is a multi-genre writer, and the books in this trilogy are a combination of poetry and photo essay and essay, all mixed up into into one. Um, And you might be asking, how did you read half of this thick book if we only had three days? And the answer is, the way it's set up is the essay and the poetry are on the right side of the page. You'll see the left side of the page here is blank. And most of them are not. They either have pictures to talk about what's going on. You can see those there. Or they have footnotes. And the footnotes are very interesting um, because she fact-checks herself in real time, which is interesting. So, so the way that the trilogy is set up, the first book is Don't Let Me Be Lonely, an American lyric. It's only available in paperback. Uh, and then the second book is Citizen, an American lyric. And they're all that experimental multi-genre writing. The first one's in 2004. It's a very different time period in 2004. Um, dealing with a different brand of that hyper patriotism patriotism that we're very well aware of now. Reality TV, 24-7 news cycles are really starting to take off in light of 9-11, coming to the forefront and, and setting the stage for, well, the last book in the trilogy, which is 2020. Um, and, and it focuses on what happens in that environment to individuals especially uh, if you are not the majority uh, race in the country, how you can be forgotten. Uh, One of the quotes from the back of that book is, I forget things too. It makes me sad, or it makes me the saddest. The sadness is not really about George W. or our American optimism. The sadness lives in the recognition that a life cannot matter. Um, So being forgotten because of those things. And again, social media hasn't quite taken off yet um, Facebook is not taken off yet but you can you can kind of tell it's getting there so it's an interesting historical document the second book is a meditation on race um, Trayvon Martin's death is not the focus of the narrative but it haunts the narrative the cover of the book is all white with a hoodie that's been cut from um, cut from the rest of the sweatshirt um, and it starts with Her documenting microaggressions toward her and how those are becoming just out and out racial aggression over the course of the book. And it builds towards Trayvon Martin, at least from what I could remember. Um, I feel like you would really dig these books because they're so they're so interesting, like the variety that you see in a literary magazine um, she throws into into her own writing. And it's really, really cool. Beautifully written. So the newest book um, is an, invi- it's an invitation to discover what it takes to stay in the room together, even, even and especially in breaching the silence, guilt, and violence that follow direct addresses of whiteness. Rankin's questions disrupt the false comfort of our culture's liminal and private spaces, the airport, the theater, the dinner party, the voting booth, where neutrality and politeness live on the surface of differing commitments, beliefs, and prejudices. As our public and private lives intersect, the interesting thing about this is she makes it her goal to talk to people about white privilege, and, and you know she talks a lot about she has to fly first class. She doesn't necessarily prefer it, but she flies a lot, so she gets first class, and how she'll often be you know cut off by people. People jump in line, um, and she throughout the course of the book she is trying to make herself become bolder and saying like hi, like let's have a conversation. Why did you feel? the need to to do that and she records those conversations she records those conversations but she also records what's going on in her head what she thinks the other person is thinking what she thinks they're trying to say Uh, she fact checks herself um, so she'll have like news articles on the left Um, so like you get the emotion on one side but then you get the the fact you get the numbers to back things up on the other side and you get the pictures to back things up as well um it's great. It's such a vulnerable and just honest book. You should check it. I think you'd really like her. I think you'd really like her, especially if you I'll started with it. the.
0: I have to put it on my list.
1: Yeah, check the second book out. Second book out is really excellent. They're all excellent, but the first one is a little more like you know it's paperback only. It's a little hard to find. I think it's still available though. I just don't see it as often. So that's it. I will be done with that and maybe today. Who knows?
0: Okay. Yeah, and do you, like, what are you, what's your star rating so far?
1: Uh, probably five. Okay. Probably five. I looked back, I gave the other ones four stars. I would like to reread them, but um, it's coming together very well as a singular text. And the fact that it's split across 2004 and 2021, uh, it really reminds me of, like, man, 2004 was, like, it's like living on a different planet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where you heard like post-racial society a lot, which she addresses in there. But you can see the groundwork that has led us to just today's climate. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because she does it in a way too where like I'm starting to notice, like with the Bo Burnham special that I talked about last time, he never says pandemic. He never says COVID-19. He never addresses it directly. And this is one of those works where it's like, you know, you're not she doesn't address like Trump directly um if she does it's always a symptom of what's going on and trying to analyze what is what is going on here and she even points to that like she's talking to somebody that's writing a book on trump and she's like no like she's getting in an argument of like no you're just focusing on it like it's an anomaly it's not an anomaly of what's going on in this country um great read great read five stars so far
0: okay so we are going to talk about a or sorry we had a request come in for a book that's gonna come out a new release that we're excited about so I chose a romance because I'm in a romance mood I don't know if it's the summer I don't know if it's because I'm in love with my boyfriend (laughs) I don't know love is in the air (laughs) and and pollen and pollen (laughs) yes Um, so I picked a romance and this one comes out on July 13th and it's by Tessa Bailey and she has a lot, a lot, a lot of books out but I've never read anything by her and so I thought this one looked interesting so I thought that I would pick this one up when it comes out and I'll read the synopsis of it, um, Tessa Bailey is back with a Schitt's Creek-inspired rom-com about a Hollywood it girl who's cut off from her wealthy family and exiled to a small Pacific Northwest beach town, where she butts head with a surly, sexy local who thinks she doesn't belong. And oh, it's called It Happened One Summer. I don't think I mentioned that. Hmm. But um, Shit's Creek is a Netflix show, or it's a show on Netflix that I really like. Basically, it's like these rich people who lose everything and they have to move to this small town and figure things out. And what I really liked about that show is the character arcs from the first season to the last season. There's a lot of character growth. So I'm kind of hoping that that happens in this book as well. So I'm excited for this one to come out.
1: Now I know what that show's about. <laughs> people oh, rave yeah. about it, but I've never actually investigated. It sounds it's really like... funny. It sounds a bit like Arrested Development, except the characters mm. grow. <laughs> they're, not, they're not static. Mm-hmm. I will have to check that out. Excellent. So I feel like I always struggle with the question a little bit because, again, and I realize this going to the bookstore, I never know what's coming out. Like, I always find out about it at the bookstore as it came out. So I've kind of been lost over the course of the past year. Uh, but then I realized uh, there is a book that I have written on my calendar. Uh, to buy because I can't there's no pre-order available for it and I'm very excited about it Um, and bear with me because it's 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 nerdy and it's very specific but the way this book is structured I think is I think is very interested interesting so this is a guide to Japanese role-playing games Um, I'll read you just a very little brief snippet of the description here. So, uh, created in collaboration with author Kurt Kalata, A Guide to Japanese Role-Playing Games, is an ambitious project that aims to cover the entire history of Japanese role-playing games from 1982 to 2020, as well as reviews of over 600 games, covering the wide range of sub-genres, including strategy RPGs like Fire Emblem, roguelites like Mystery Dungeon, and first-person dungeon crawlers like Etrian Odyssey. It includes articles on the genre, its music, its art. Overall, the book weighs in at over 370,000 words and contains contributions from a wide selection of fans and journalists, combining to create the ultimate coffee table book to Japanese role-playing games. Um, It is 652 pages in length. Bitmap Books' largest book to date comes in hardback as standard cover features a specially created piece of artwork, which is finished with special Pantone inks and metallic silver foil details. Each divider within the book also features a specially created overworld map. As with all our books, we use thread-sewn binding for extra durability and print lithography on high-quality paper to showcase the gorgeous visuals they deserve. So this is from a, a company called Bitmap Books, which creates coffee table but not light reading coffee table books about video games and i have looked through one of their previous books was computer rpgs like the handbook of computer rpgs it's another massive book the pdf is free Uh, so i've looked through that and to create these they've essentially crowdsourced the writing which i thought was very interesting because they're covering such a wide variety of games including games that are like hey this is an important contribution but this game sucks so don't play it just read this about the game so it gives an interesting history to that and just a history to pop culture because you know what comes out of japanese rpgs well a lot of anime comes out of japanese rpgs pokemon certainly comes out of japanese rpgs because it is a japanese rpg um, I'm very excited. I think I'm going to get the collector's edition, which is limited to 2,000 copies, and includes a thumb drive with uh, demos from upcoming JRPGs.
0: Who uses a thumb drive anymore? Are, like floppy disks. They're out of style. I think the yeah. last time I used a floppy disk, I was probably in second grade.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you even used a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, the hard ones, right? The diskettes. Yeah. See, when I was very little, we had a Commodore 64, which were the true floppies. They were like uh, five inches tall by five inches wide and you could bend them in half. They're very floppy. Yeah. Yeah. Good old times. <laughs> um, But the, the thumb drive is set up in a way that it's like a, it's an old school throwback. Like it's a it's a heart shape, but it's a pixelated heart shape like you would see you would see in the games I I love books like this like solid coffee table books that give a history of something um, but a very well researched and in depth history on something this will take me forever to get through but just to just to have it and be able to flip through it is going to be ah it's going to be great it's going to be great so there you go a small press as well
0: when does that come out
1: this comes out it was supposed to come out a week or two ago now it comes out June 25th and again, no pre-order, so I'm just gonna okay. wait till midnight and see if it drops at midnight and try to snag that collector's edition. It's also from Britain, so I'm gonna have to figure out what the cost is. Well, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, oh, pay an arm and a leg for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, the list. Uh, whoever requested this, you might not be interested in that, but it is the only thing that I know that's coming out <laughs> that I'm that I'm looking forward to. Well,
0: it's what we're it's what we're excited about.
1: Yeah also if you're a reader and you like video games chances are you're gonna like you know these are very text heavy narrative driven games so i think that's why i gravitate gravitate towards them i always felt like i was wasting time when i was a kid playing games so i started playing games where i had to read constantly and follow the story
0: Mm, yeah that makes sense um yeah i guess that's all we really have to talk about besides the fact that we have a discord and Adam, you set it up, so tell the people about this. We Discord.
1: do. We have an excellent Discord set up and ready to go. Now, it launched last night, so nobody is in it except for the two of us. So you could be the first. Um, plenty of things to talk about from a general chat to what you're currently reading. And you can use that space as a, as a spot to uh, send us suggestions. Uh, just general suggestions or recommendation questions, discussion questions. Uh, you could hear those on the show. If you're like me, I always bring an extra computer to work and just have Discord sitting off to the to the side so I can check in with people. Um, so check it out uh, in the show notes, correct?
0: Yeah, I'll put it in there. Don't remind myself to do Excellent. that. Excellent. <laughs> Come chat with us. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode and we'll be back
1: next week. See you next week.
0: Thank you for tuning into this edition of Lit These Days, presented by the Mark Literary Review. The music was provided by David Mock. We'll be back next week with another episode.